Pastor Xavier Reese and man's attempt to replace God. Notice the prophet Zephaniah declared another indictment of the nation. She has not trusted in the Lord Yahweh. She has not drawn near to her God. They had come to the place of substituting God for other things and other gods. Today we've trusted technology, man's advancements. We've made man God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said that the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Well, the journey away from a relationship with God also begins with one step. Today, Pastor Xavier traces the journey of the nation of Israel as it took one step at a time in disobedience and the tragic results of such an expedition. Right now, let's join him for today's Simple Truths, drawn from the Old Testament book of Zephaniah, and a message titled, Judgment Could Have Been Averted. Let's listen. The kingdom was divided on the railroad, as you know, the son of Solomon, around 931 B.C. It's now about 621. If that is accurate, you're talking about 310 years that God had been warning the nation of Israel to repent of her sins. That's a long time. The northern kingdom went to captivity, 722, by the hand of uh, Assyria, the rod of God's anger, Isaiah 10.5. Now the southern kingdom was going to be going into captivity for the first time in 606 under the hand of Babylon. Now God warned over and over again, sending the prophets to both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, progressively became more corrupt and so far distant from God, one step at a time. God, through the prophet Zephaniah, declared three reasons for judgment of Judah by addressing the city of Jerusalem here in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. Let me read our text. He says, Woe to her who was rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city. She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. Her princes in her midst are roaring lions. The judges are evening woods that leave not a bone till morning. Her prophets are insolent, treacherous people. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. Amazing. What an indictment that he brings forth here. Here are the three reasons that he gives to us in our text. First, the city had an evil reputation. Listen, there's the key. Like the other nations. Verse 1. Secondly, the city had a sinful inclination like the other nations. And thirdly, the city had leaders of corruption like the other nations. Her problem was she was like the other nations. Verse 1 to 8 is included in the middle section of the judgment of the nations. God is judging his people along with the other nations because they're living just like the other nations. Let's begin here with the first reason the city had an evil reputation like the other nations. Notice the prophet Zephaniah here announced the um, impending judgment once again. Woe to her. Zephaniah was the instrument to deliver the message, not the source of the message. Often people get mad at the person teaching or preaching the word of God when we are simply giving the word that God has given to us to give to others to be warned. 
And they feel that we're self-righteous, we're very judgmental, that we're just doomsday prophet. No, I offer you the greatest return of Jesus Christ, the greatest hope. He knew the history of the nation of Israel, the prophet. The deliverance of Israel from the bondage of Egypt, the deliverance of the land, so that Israel would be the instrument of God's judgment to those that God gave 400 years and 30 years to repent, by the way. And they didn't take it. He was aware of the divided kingdom after Solomon through Rehoboam. Aware of the promise that God gave to Jeroboam by the prophet Ahijah. He says, if you will be faithful to God, the ten nations, he will make you and prosper you like the house of David. But Jeroboam didn't trust God. He was afraid the people would go back to the house of David as they went to the feast. So he made the capital of, of, of worship center of idolatry in Bethel and in Dan. And Dan up north, Bethel in the south. And he corrupted the priesthood and the worship of Yahweh. He changed the feast days, used common people for the priesthood, everything. God would have blessed him. We'll never know how God was going to do it. Undeniably, judgment cannot be averted any longer. It could have back then. If Jeroboam would have repented, it would have, could have been different. People are the same. God checks and everything. If they could repent right there, then everything will change. But if they keep going, it gets worse and worse to the point where it's warning, warning, warning till the line is crossed and then judgment is coming. You can't avert judgment no more. Notice um, Zephaniah here now had been called by God to announce the judgment of Jerusalem and to her. The word woe, as you know, is an exclamation of alarm. Um, the context is um, of judgment. We find this throughout the prophets. Amos 5.18 says, Well, to you who desire the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the day of wrath. People, oh yeah, we welcome the day of the Lord. Are you talking, are you crazy? You know what it means? And so people twist the scriptures. They mean, oh no, everything's good. And you know, we're just going to bring in the kingdom. And you know, dominion theology, kingdom theology all over the radio, all over churches. Things are going to get better and better. Really? Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Amos 6.1 Woe to those who devise iniquity, who work out evil in their beds. At morning light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Why do they do it? Just because they can. Notice the word of woe is also used to express self-judgment or a burden that comes upon a person. Isaiah 6.5, Isaiah seeing the holiness of God in the throne as he looks up on the day that Hezekiah died. He says, woe is me, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. Isaiah saw himself, how putrid, how unworthy he was before a holy God. And then God took a seraphim from the altar with a coal and cleansed him. We're not holy. He makes us holy through his son. Jeremiah 10.19 over the judgment coming, he says, Woe is me for my hurt, because he's a contemporary of Zephaniah. My wound is severe, but I say, Truly, this is an infirmity, and I must bear it. God has taken many of his people through difficult times, through suffering, persecutions. Today, it still goes on. Notice the word her. It's used to personify the city of Jerusalem, and in turn, the people that occupied the city. The city God chose, loved, and would bless in the future. But now, the only thing left was judgment. Psalm 48, 1 speaks of that future. Great is the Lord, Yahweh, and great to be praised in the city of our God. In this holy mountain, Psalm 48, 1, the future kingdom. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. Selah, Psalm 48, 8, the kingdom age. But right now at this point, 
There's only judgment coming. Why? Because they said, no, 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 we won't repent. You know people, I know people who God has been patient over and over again and they could have just restored everything. They could have been okay, but they kept going further and further and then judgment came. Whether it be of natural consequences of their evil or God's direct hand. Notice Ephaniah proclaimed what the city of Jerusalem was known for at the present. Listen to his word, who is rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city. The city was rebellious towards God. The word rebellious simply means dubious, cantankerous, and unpredictable against God. A spoiled child, if you will. Wayward child. Jerusalem and her people knew the word of God given to Moses at Sinai through his hand. Jerusalem and her people knew the will of God that was revealed in the word of God. Jerusalem and her people knew what sin did in their relationship towards God. But they had slowly compromised. Till now, they were known for being rebellious towards God. Some of you were brought to the Lord by someone who was walking with God, praying for you. And now, they're rebellious towards God. And you can't believe that they're the ones that brought you. And here you are, mature and grown up in the Lord, and they're rebellious or back in the world. Notice the city was polluted contrary to their call to be holy, like their God. Jerusalem was filled, as we've seen, with pagan worship of Baal, Melchim, or Molech, and the worship of the planets and the stars. Astrology in chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. Jerusalem is called an undesirable nation in chapter 2, verse 1. Unattractive. Having no yearning or longing or passion for her because of her sinful condition. The city was heavy-handed. Not merciful like her God. Notice, oppressive. They were unjust and they took advantage of poor people. Robbing them with violence and deceit in chapter 1 verse 9. Just one of the many things. When a society lives under these conditions, ladies and gentlemen, as we move through the sermon, the end is inevitable. The only question is, how long can it endure? The men of the city were complacent in their evil that they said it didn't matter to God. Or worse yet, that he didn't care about it. Chapter 1, verse 12, listen to them. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish the men who are settled in complacency. That's the imagery of winemaking, pouring from vessel to vessel, removing the dredge, the sediment, so it becomes finer and finer. These men had tainted of their own evil, and they were complacent, satisfied in it. Who say in their hearts, the Lord Yahweh will not do good, nor will he do evil. Today, people say that. Well, what's the problem? There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with that. We're fine. The city and its people could have averted the judgment in the past, but they had rejected it. Judgment was coming. This is the last warning. The last prophet prior to the captivity. Let me give you a quote of Patrick Henrik. He says, quote, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often. That this great nation was founded, listen carefully, not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. Now, you won't get that in your schools. Certainly not college. 
Our history has been redacted, rewritten. The founding fathers had a requirement to hold office that may shock you. But your seatbelt on, listen. The Constitution of Delaware, Article 22, and by the way, every state had an article like this. It says the following, Every person who shall be chosen to a member of either house or appoint to any office or place of trust shall make and subscribe the following declaration to wit. I, blank, Xavier Reese, do profess faith in God the Father and Jesus Christ, his only Son, in the Holy Ghost, one God, blessed forevermore, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and the New Testament be given by divine inspiration. Whoa, Jackson. That's not Christianity. That's not the Bible. Every state had that in their constitution, state constitution. What happened? One step at a time. The First Amendment did not provide protection for the atheist or the secular humanist by the word religion. As it was originally used by Webster's Dictionary in 1828. Listen to what it says. Quote, and I'm quoting According to that definition, religion includes a belief in the being and perfections of God, in the revelation of his will to man, and in man's obligation to obey his commands, in a state of reward and punishment, and in man's accountableness to God, and also true godliness or piety of life with the practice of all moral duties, the practice of moral desires without a belief in a divine lawgiver and without reference to his will or commands is not religion. End of quote. <laughs> now the definition used for religion, again, is the biblical one according to Webster, and it's as follows. This is what it entails. When the word religion is used in the founding father's document, it's Christianity. Listen, a belief in being and perfections of God, the belief in reveal for his will for man, belief in man's obligation to obey his commands, belief in accountability to God with rewards and punishment, pretty straightforward, belief in godliness, piety of life, practice of moral duties, the practice of moral duties without belief in divine giver and without reference to his will or his command is not religion. Straightforward. Now, such religion was to be included in schools, by the way. They, they, they hitched together. Listen to what they said. The framers of the First Amendment felt that schools and educational systems were the proper means to encourage religion, morality, and knowledge. Now, religion is Christianity. That's how they use it. For example, on April the 30th of 1802, Congress passed the Enabling Act for Ohio. Its constitution stated, quote, religion, morality, and knowledge being essentially necessary to the good of government and the happiness of mankind, schools and the means of instruction shall forever be encouraged by legislative provisions. Congress and the courts. Wow. The concept of secular state was virtually non-existence in 1776 as well as in 1787. When the Constitution was written, and no less so when the Bill of Rights was adopted, it is said, and I'm quoting again, to read the Constitution as a charter for a secular state is to misread history and to misread it radically. The Constitution was designed to perpetuate a Christian order. End of quote. Judgment was coming because the city had an evil reputation like the other 
nations. There's the problem. Secondly, look at verse 2. The city had a sinful inclination like the other nations. The prophet Zephaniah here declared the indictment of the nation being self-willed. Listen to his words. She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. So the nation had become wayward. She has not obeyed his voice. This is constant. 310 years as we noticed in the beginning. The word obey simply means to hear the voice. And the hearing is to understand and to comply with that. This is the natural duty of a son or a daughter towards a parent. You as a parent delight when that happens. You expect it. It's nothing unreasonable. In fact, it's the evidence of love of the child for the parent. The usual response of obedience is for the benefit of the child, not for his detriment. You want them to obey so they have it good. You as parents demand and expect obedience of your children for their own peace of mind as for the order of the home also. As parents, you know that your child's obedience will result in their proper growth, development, and maturity. As parents, you understand that your child's obedience to a moral and ethical standard will protect them through many things in life. You see, the nation had become not only self-willed, but incorrigible. Listen to the words. She had not received correction. The phrase to receive correction means to not accept chastisement or discipline. We've all seen a child who is arrogant. Though you may execute some form of restriction or discipline, their heart is just hard. They will take whatever comes, but they have not changed their mind. Her concept of God had changed. Here's the problem. Her moral standards had also changed. Once you change your God and the standard of your God, your life will follow that change. Her likeness was more like the pagan nations than her God. That's why parents say, I don't want you hanging out with Johnny. Simple. Not because the parents hate Johnny, but they know Johnny's not good company. Right? The reason correction is not received can be boiled down to two things, ladies and gentlemen. First, the person or nation does not really believe they're wrong. How did they get there? It was very clear not too long ago that Fornication was evil. Adultery was evil. Abortion is evil. Today, none of those are thought to be evil. Especially by the millennials. It's one step at a time. The second is that a person or nation believe, listen, they're wiser than God. Notice the prophet Zephaniah declared another indictment of the nation. Being self-dependent. She has not trusted in the Lord Yahweh. She has not drawn near to her God. The people had not trusted, meaning had no confidence in her God. They had come to the place of substituting God for other things and other gods. Today we've trusted technology, man's advancements. We've made man God. These things were the ways of the pagan nations being immoral and unethical in life. You see, the people had no longer their dependency on the Lord Yahweh here. They no longer relied on God for their provisions, but upon the pagan gods, like the Queen of Heaven. By the way, the Queen of Heaven is the title for Mary in the Catholic Church. Jeremiah speaks about the Queen of Heaven, Ashtoreth. 
Jeremiah 44, 17 through 19, they're telling Jeremiah, who's a contemporary of Zephaniah, listen, every time you've been telling us about to leave the, all our pagan gods, especially the queen of heaven, we did that, you know, and when we were offering to her, man, we had all these things, we were being blessed, we let them off, and now we don't have nothing, we're going back there, and our husbands know about us, so tough, what are you going to do about it? Babylon was coming. They no longer relied on God for their protection against their enemies, but rather their own strength and numbers and allegiance and alliances to other nations. They were wiser than God. They no longer were honoring the covenant of their God, Yahweh. You see, the nation had become self-sufficient. She has not drawn near to her God. Why? I don't need them. This implies the lack of desire, passion. It implies the lack of wisdom to be one with God. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, No God. That's it. The problem of God settled. Doesn't exist. And we call ourselves wise. No, the Bible calls you a fool. I don't. The Bible does. I just agree with the Bible. That's all. The people had, um, had refused. The call of Repentance. Though they had refused and rejected the word and the will of God. Notice he still addressed them, her God. She was accountable. The word and will of God made known to the city, the nation, the people. Made them more responsible and accountable to God. To those who much is given, much more is required. Luke twelve forty eight. The city and people could have averted judgment in the past. But now... Because they had rejected it, judgment was coming around the corner. John Weatherspoon, who is, in addition to signing the Declaration of Independence, was a member of the Continental Congress for six years, where he served on over 100 congressional committees. While president of Princeton, which used to be Christian college, by the way, university, he trained scores of men for national positions, including those of president, Vice President, Supreme Court Justice, Cabinet Members, U.S. Senators, and Congressmen. In view of our present position of our government to keep all religion out of public life, it's interesting to um, find out how John Weatherspoon felt about mixing politics with Christianity. I'm quoting him. It is in the man of piety and inward principle that we may expect to find the uncorrupted patriot the useful citizen, the invincible soldier. God grant that in America, true religion, again, remember religion is Christianity here, and civil liberty may be inseparable and that the unjust attempts to destroy the one may in the issue tend to support and establish both. He went as far as to say that any person is an avowed enemy of God by not promoting true and undefiled religion, meaning Christianity, by bearing down against profanity, immorality of every kind, and that person is equally an enemy of his country. These are the founding fathers. Okay? These are the founding fathers. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing, Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. Judgment 
was coming because the city had a sinful inclination, like the other nations. Pastor Xavier Reese on the travesty that follows when a nation rejects God. Ever-relevant simple truths drawn from the Old Testament book of Zephaniah. Now you can hear this message again if you like online, anytime, by selecting today's date under the radio tab at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But you can also request a CD copy of this timely study titled, Judgment Could Have Been Averted. As always, they're available for just $4. And make sure you share this helpful insight with your brothers and sisters in the Lord once you're through. The title to ask for once again is, Judgment Could Have Been Averted. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 